0: Hello, and welcome to a class on women in leadership. We are so glad to be with you, however it is that you came to us. Uh, my name is Lindsay Mizell, I'm the pastor at Vineyard Springbrook, and I am joined by two people I love dearly and respect a ton. This is Chad Stewart, who is our associate at Vineyard Springbrook, and this is my friend Dave Struck, who is the pastor of Church of the Redeemer, which is an EPC, Presbyterian church here in town, Um, we are good buddies, good buddy churches. Sometimes I say you're our brother church, cousin church, I don't know what it is. Cousins, (laughs)
1: Cousins, sister,
0: <laughs> buddy. Yeah.
2: Let's work through
0: that over the next little bit. Yeah. Uh, so we love doing things together, so we're excited to be here today to talk about women in leadership. Um, before we get started, I just want to kind of give a run-through about our goal for this, as well as um, do some kind of broad strokes on different uh, ideas around women in leadership. But um, our point for this class was to offer a resource to you. Um, to have a place to learn more about what it looks like to affirm women in all levels of leadership. Um, we have at Vineyard Springwork I'm the pastor, and I'm a girl, so most people in our church are are good with that. Um, but they don't always know how to explain it to their family members, or their relatives, or friends, or or how to back it up biblically, or things like that. And so that's something that's really important to us that we wanted to get to you. Um, and so so that's really why we're here today. So. We are um, going to come at this from the uh, perspective of affirming women in all levels of leadership. That isn't the belief for every church all across the board. Um, really, there's two main camps. This is, again, a really broad stroke, but there's two main camps on what to do with women and leadership in the church. Um, and so I just want to give you a little bit of a rundown on each of these. Uh, this is not going to be perfect. There are so many like gradients and variants and and different ideas within both of these. But the the two um, words for the two camps are a complementarian perspective and an egalitarian perspective. So um, a complementarian would believe that men and women are created... Uh, completely equal but are distinct in um, complementarian, distinct in their um, ways of serving in levels of leadership in the church. Um, Whereas an egalitarian perspective would say men and women are created completely equal and that levels of leadership or or jobs of leadership in a church would be based on gifts versus gender. Is that a fair overarching (laughs) assessment and again within there's so many perspectives so many ideas within these Um, and so what we're going to do today is we're really going to come at this just from an egalitarian perspective Uh, that's not to say that we don't absolutely love so many complementarians in our life In our churches, there are people that we love, respect, partner with, serve, minister to, uh, pastor, that are complementarians. The reason we're coming at this as egalitarians is that is where we stand personally. And um, and kind of like I said, the point of this video is to give you perspective on how to um, talk about and defend and uh, maybe even change your mind a little on women in leadership from an egalitarian perspective. So... With that in mind, I'm handing over the reins to Chad. Yes,
2: thank you. Um, yeah, so I think a really fun part of this before we jump into the big questions and settle the, the debate once and for all by <laughs> way after thousands of years of dispute, um, joking. Um, but um, I think it would be interesting to hear our journeys in, in this, to hear how we came about so people can relate to us a tad bit more. Um, I know personally for me, whenever I... I, at 19, entered a fundamental Baptist church that was conservative that leaned towards the complementarian side of things. Um, and then I left that, and I came to the vineyard, and I was struggling with, can women serve as pastors? And um, I remember Aaron preaching a sermon on, it was in our an oil and water series, and it was uh, preached by Aaron. And I had questions afterwards, and then Lindsay preached the next week. And Lindsay stood Me, up, Lindsay? You, Lindsay preached uh, uh stood up and preached this message that later you found out Aaron towards you someone critiqued it and it was me um and you still get hot about the critique in it um but while I was listening to Lindsay preach I was just talking with God and I was like God I don't know what to make of this issue I've looked at the Bible I've, I've listened to Aaron I listened to all the people I respect I don't know what to do. And God, knowing how much help I needed, this normally does not happen to me, but um, in that moment, God looked at me and said, you're all in. Mm-hmm. Like, like I heard, I was impressed upon me, God saying, you are all in here at the vineyard and with women able to be pastors. With the sermon, I later critiqued and was not a big <laughs> fan of. Um, uh, since then, Lindsay has preached, lights out, everything's been an <laughs> A+. Plus. It was just that one
0: he it said was, it was terrible,
2: let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one, but, uh, um, um, but God came and helped me out there and said I was all in on this issue. And after that, I learned a ton about kingdom theology and where we as vineyard people stand in the creation accounts. And, and all that came after God helping me out initially. And I always find that funny that it happened with a sermon I disagreed with and did not like, and God was like, you are all in on this subject. Um, so Dave, and then what is now we
0: get to work together.
2: Exactly, I'm her associate, and it's fantastic. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but Dave, what has been your journey with this topic? And this, the year? Lord works in mysterious ways. That's us. an unexpected journey. I got another unexpected one for you. I grew up in a church that had a
1: dual denominational partnership in the Southern Baptist Church and the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, and contrary to Southern Baptist belief, actually ordained women as pastors. Wow. So it was a regular part of my experience growing up. Now, that was in specific roles. They would ordain women to children's ministry pastor. Uh, They never ordained a woman to a senior pastoral role or what we might see as like a senior associate role or anything like that. But it was pretty typical for me. I remember going to ordination services of women getting ordained, at least two in my memory. And so it was kind of always a part of your sociology and I think it's important to recognize how much our background and our sociology shapes how we view Scripture. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I would read passages of Scripture that would kind of maybe look down on women in church leadership, I would always instinctively put it in the same category as, like, the the verses in 1 Corinthians that would say, you know, women should wear hats or women's <laughs> hair should be covered. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, the Bible's true. All of Scripture is God-breathed, but there's... Um, biblical interpretation we have to do here to, to understand what we're reading here. So I always put those women verses uh, and women in church leadership verses in kind of that category of there's a lot more interpretation we have to do here to make sense of it just because it was a normal part of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of a surprise or a shocker, being a Baptist upbringing. Yeah. I'm no longer Baptist. I'm Presbyterian now. But mm-hmm. uh, essentially have been egalitarian for
2: all of my adult life because of that yeah awesome Lindsay as a woman
0: as a woman um (laughs) yeah so I I have this very distinct memory in high school I was in a Sunday school class and it was my junior and senior year of high school and the teacher wanted us to find out what we believed for ourselves rather than taking that we would go off graduate high school that we would take our own theology with us, not just the beliefs of our parents and things like that. It was a great idea for a Sunday school class. And we hit all these like hot, hot topics, uh, week after week. But, um for this particular one it was women in leadership and um and i remember him standing up in front of the class and he said we're going to talk about women in leadership in the church today and he read um a a, a Timothy verse not the first Timothy verse though we'll get to but the, in second Timothy 3 um when it says uh that the word of god is for the use of man and teaching rebuking and on and um and then his point at the very beginning was that uh see clearly here it says that the word of god is just for men um, to teach that women shouldn't even really be able to read it because our brains are too small to be able to understand it. And it was it was the first time I had ever heard anything like that. And I was like, well, I actually think he was being facetious. I, I, I love and adore this man, and he doesn't feel that way. Uh, but I didn't know at the time. He was just presenting an argument to let us try to figure out what we thought about it. Um, and it blew my mind. I, I, it was the first time I learned that people thought women maybe couldn't serve in in specific capacities and so um for me that led me i remember uh going down uh to the church lobby i'm in tears my dad comes up to me my dad who's an ordained minister comes up to me and he's like what's going on i'm like i'm out I didn't know, like, there's no room for me here. And I felt so duped. I felt like I had been uh, duped into a religion that that uh, was like, you know, Jesus loves you, and and he um, has invited you to join him in this renewal, this kingdom mission, except not all the way. You can't do all the things in it. And it was so offensive to me. And so my dad was awesome. He calmed down my 17-year-old uh, dramatic self and said, um, and encouraged me to do what the whole point of the Sunday school class was, which was to investigate that the, the whole point was that we would engage the Bible for ourselves to figure out where we landed on so many things. And so that started a journey for me of doing just that. Um, and, and it, it, a lot of it uh, began with kind of looking at my life and sort of, like you said, like in my life, my experience was women were even in that church, women were leading all over the place. Mm-hmm. My, um, like I said, my dad was an ordained minister, but if I didn't, Theological question, and he wasn't around. I was just as likely to go to my mom, if not more likely, on some things. Um, my mom was a leader in our house and a, a teacher, and so I I kind of used that experience and then started to engage the scriptures to figure out what exactly is going on here. And then you know, now now I'm a pastor.
2: Yeah.
0: Skipped a few years, but <laughs>
2: yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, you
0: gotta, you gotta yeah, gotta the very end there. <laughs> skipped, yeah, <laughs> skipped a few years, but. Um, but
2: yeah, <laughs> but yeah, here we are. Who would have thought? thought? Who
0: would have thought? Who would have
2: thought? Yeah, and so um, now we're going to transition into what I think everyone wants to know, and it's what does the Bible have to say about this issue? Um, and when we talk to people or when you text people this week, they've had questions or they've had comments like, all I've ever known is men have been able to be pastors and women can serve as Sunday school teachers. They can mm-hmm. teach kids and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, So, what we're going to go into is talk about um, our interpretation about how we view Scripture and what the Bible says about women being able to lead. Um, And the first one is, uh, why does it seem like all the leaders in the Bible are men? That's one of the questions we had from people. So, Dave, how would you answer that question? Well,
1: first I would say that's not true. I mean, you could see women leading everywhere. Uh, There is, to use like a legal term, a preponderance of evidence to show you that women are leading in all different kinds of ways. You can Mm -hmm. start much earlier, but uh, one of the prominent Old Testament examples is Deborah. She's a judge who leads Israel. She leads them in battle. She leads them in judgment. Uh, You can look forward uh, into a prophet whose name is Huldah in 2 Kings 22. I might be stealing some of Lindsay's thunder. (laughs) You fast forward to the New Testament and you see Phoebe, who's called a deacon in Romans 16. Junia, who's called an apostle in Romans 16. You've got Lydia, who's Basically, the de facto church planner in Acts Mm -hmm. 16. Uh, You got Priscilla, who is always listed before her husband, Mm -hmm. at least in two or three different places Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. And she's there teaching a man, Apollos, in Acts 18. Four of Philip's unmarried daughters in Acts 21 are prophets, which means they would have spoken the word of the Lord. To other people, I think. I mean, what did I just do? Seven, eight examples there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just men who lead in the Bible. And there are many more that I'm leaving out that are lesser or minor characters. But women teach. Women demonstrate leadership in the Bible. It actually happens. It's there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think one of um, the most compelling things to me is that um, outside of what Dave said, which is um, incredible, I was always taught uh, after after this experience that i told you about I, I was taught that um women in the old testament like deborah like huldah that they existed because god couldn't find a man to do the job and so he had to put a woman in and and if you read it that's actually really not true huldah exists under a good king as a prophet uh, 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 talking the word of the lord and and then for me again uh, one of the more compelling things is is jesus's treatment of women that day that i was kind of freaking out i remember. My dad said, "Look it up for yourself." And then the second thing he said is, um, "I don't have any experience of Jesus doing what you're saying." And it's true. When you look at the most pivotal parts of our faith—the the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ—the women are there, and and um, the first people to ever proclaim the resurrection, which that's that's what we call preaching. Preaching is to proclaim uh, the resurrection of Jesus. The first people to do it are are women and um so so really i understand the argument that it seems like men are the forefront and the leaders but it isn't an entirely true argument i think there's another piece um that that we've talked about the idea of um a redemptive movement hermeneutic that we that when you look at the scriptures this is uh by a guy william webb Uh, when you look at the scriptures um you would see things getting better it's 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 our our questions about slavery um, things like that. When you look at the scriptures um, as a woman, you see that from beginning to end, things are getting better for women. Jesus was absolutely crucial and pivotal in that. So I think part of the reason that you don't, um, if if the question is you don't see women in the forefront as much, is um, there really are it is a fair argument of place and time. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you see women at all in the forefront in the Old Testament, I think is absolutely astounding and compelling and Mm -hmm. incredible and that it just gets bigger and bigger and more and more and more
1: yeah women's role gets more inclusive of their leadership especially in the midst of God's people Now I have a different like theological framework called covenant theology but when Mm -hmm. you look at the covenant people of God the women role for women gets
2: bigger
0: Mm -hmm. over time right yeah yeah
2: yeah, I'd love that argument yeah and I think what you guys are talking about leads us into our next question that I think sets us up when we talk about in the book of Genesis and the creative order in which complementarians would say the creative order would be that 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 men and the mm-hmm. hierarchy are above women. Mm-hmm. And it would seem to me in what you guys are talking about, if that's true, then it sounds like God violates the hierarchy all the time.
0: All yeah. throughout
2: <laughs> scripture right because Mm -hmm. just because if it's that well there was no other man to do it then god's basically violating what he set up in the beginning if, if if that's the case so how would you guys explain the book of genesis to to people that that as we've always heard it that uh women are second to men in that hierarchy dave Oh, man. Uh, this, uh, an the, easy one. Yeah, it's, it's easy. <laughs> the first comment I'll make
1: is a little speculative, but some theologians speculate that, you know, in Genesis 2, when it's Adam's rib that's taken to make Eve, uh, the the kind of micro view of the creation accounts, that he takes a rib in order to make Eve an equal. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take something from Adam's head to, to make Adam the... The leader, he doesn't take something from her feet to make the woman submissive, or mm-hmm. the woman the leader, or anything like that. He takes a rib, the middle part of his body. You can also go back to Genesis one, because Genesis one is the big picture zoomed out view of creation, and God creates male and female together in Genesis one, mm-hmm. uh, both in the image, both of the image yeah. of God. In fact, you would you could make a pretty compelling argument that through to image to have the imago dei, the image of God. You need both genders because the first command is to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that means that to image God, to to make more images, is to, to have both genders be equal. Yeah. And so uh, that's what I would say from Genesis. Hmm. Again, the Genesis two things a little speculative, drawn mm-hmm. from the rib, but I think there's something there. Yeah. What would you say?
0: Yeah, I think I think the same thing. I think that it's um, like you said, Genesis one one twenty seven. That that's one of the first verses I memorized in Bible drill. Um, as a kid that we remain in the image of God, male and female made in the image of God. Um, and then, uh, Genesis two, right. That, 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 that the, the mandates of God are coming to both men and women. And it's not until Genesis three that the fall happens. And so I think what, what, um, for me was huge was, um, thinking that um, part of, for uh, for us at the Vineyard, we say that um, we're, we're joining God in the renewal of all things. That is our vision statement. Okay. And um, and so what, what we mean is we're joining God as he renews the earth uh, back to its most perfect form, which the most clear picture we have of that um, is in Genesis and in Revelation. And, and in Genesis, we, we have this um, perfect picture before the fall in Genesis 3. And so um, a, a lot of times, that's the way I think of it, is that um, that we're trying to get back to before the fall, in mm-hmm. a sense. And, um, and I think that there is an equality. There, there, it, it doesn't feel yeah. hierarchical to me before the fall, um, before Genesis 3, if, if you spend time in those first two, that we both get the mandate. We both get the mm-hmm. be fruitful, multiply.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think someone who uh, texts Lindsay said, can you explain that word? helper just because it says eve is the helper and that means and we would say as the assistant or is here to help the man. Um, Lindsay, do you have an explanation yeah, for that?
0: Yeah, oh, that's like one of my favorite things. Mm. I'm so glad you reminded me. me. Um, I think I'm right on this, that the word for helper is actually Elohim. Is this correct? You with me Or yeah, like
1: Ezra Elohim. <laughs> I'm just reaching in my memory. Yeah, for
0: that. so um, mm. so, so when we're saying that Eve was created as the helper of Adam, that word a lot of times gets used to, to um, talk about hierarchy when really any other time that we see the word helper the elohim word it is god describing himself to us it's what jesus ends up talking about of servant leadership that um that the last will be first it's that sort of idea that helper is actually um god's word for us and we are not hierarchical of, or you know higher than the lord uh-huh. and so it's this i love it i think it's it's a and i, I think um It's been used to do damage against women or damage against the idea of of women being maybe a step below when Mm -hmm. really I think it's one of the more beautiful things in the Bible of God um, comparing a human, offering us his image, this helper image Mm -hmm. that that he applies to his own self.
2: Dave, do you have anything on that?
1: No, I think I'm I'm going to school on Lindsay here on that one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that leads us to where we're about to go, which is, I think, the most asked question is, what do we do with 1 Timothy chapter 2 when it talks about the qualification for an elder? Doesn't it explicitly say men should be an elder, not women? Uh, We're going to start with Dave on that one. Read
0: it. Let's read it first. Read it. I'll read it. Go for it. As a woman i it somewhere. Um, here it is. First uh, Timothy 2, 11 through 15. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. So that's probably our biggest problem text mm-hmm. as far as... I mean, we got to do something with it.
1: Yeah, you know, to me... I've always looked at the larger context surrounding 1 Timothy 2, and if you look at the verses preceding this, Paul really cares about what the church looks like in front of an unbelieving world. He's writing to Timothy. He's probably the pastor of the Church of Ephesus, and the church at that time would have met in open courts. They didn't have big church buildings, so they would have had to have met outside, kind of like COVID times right now. And they would have met outside, and other people would have seen it in the the courts of Ephesus. Other people would have seen them worshiping. And so Paul says things like, live a life in quietness and submission. Pray for the king. Honor honor your authorities. He's basically saying, do these things in your worship services, because mm-hmm. other people are looking in, and you, you want to earn a hearing for the gospel. That's the context. I mean, even 1 Timothy 2, there's a hard verse for me as a Presbyterian when it says, God desires all be saved, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is that the unbelieving world is looking on at the church service. Well, then you look at the cultural context surrounding Ephesus, and the only women who would speak publicly back then were temple prostitutes for the temple cult of Artemis. Mm-hmm. And so Paul's essentially saying to the people in the church there, hey, look, if you want to earn a hearing for the gospel to an unbelieving world, don't make it look like the temple cult of Artemis. Because, we got, because the gospel and our mission of the gospel to share the good news about Jesus, his death and his resurrection overcomes any cultural issues that we need to work through. Don't let there be cultural barriers to the hearing of the gospel. If they would have had a woman preaching at that time and place, it would have looked like the temple cult of Artemis, and so people wouldn't have heard about the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I think Paul is offering a truth. It's just a narrowly constructed truth. When I talked earlier about the preponderance of the evidence, when he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man, she must be quiet. Well, he can't mean that for all places at all times because he's okay with it in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's okay with it in Romans sixteen seven with Junia. He's okay with, you know, Priscilla teaching Apollos in Acts 18. So he can't mean for all places at all times. Scripture's got to interpret Scripture here. And I believe that's really important because I think the charge is often, well, if you believe in women that women can be leaders, you must be a liberal. You must not take Scripture seriously. I don't think that's true. I think the question is just how is 1 Timothy 2 true? Uh, We talked earlier about, you know, there are certain contexts where we still probably wouldn't want a woman preaching. Mm -hmm. You know, in the Middle East, would we earn a hearing for the gospel if we had a woman preaching? Probably not. Uh, But in other places, would we lose a hearing for the gospel if we didn't have shared authority with women Mm -hmm. and men? And I think that's true. I I think Paul's talking about don't get in the way of the gospel. And sometimes, in some places, this particular issue, you got to be sensitive to it, on one way or another. And you had a good counter example earlier.
0: Yeah, I think you know, if I'm running a shelter for battered women, I don't think that's a great context to have a male, or it just seems like a better context to have a female senior pastor. And that's not the only. I mean, there's we have loads of examples, um, uh, but it it seems like. Um, it, it, it's not, it doesn't, to me, it does not, I do not think first, uh, Timothy two is Paul creating a rule for all times, all places. Um, I think, like you said, it's very clear to me that Paul, um, if that's true, then his like apostolic practice and his um teaching are are not going it's sort of i heard this example one time and i thought it was genius it's, a, it's the equivalent of smoking a cigarette telling your kids not to smoke a cigarette like no 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 smoking's bad i'm gonna do it you don't do it do as i say not mm-hmm. as i do um if, if that's true if paul is creating a rule around this he didn't follow his own rule he his his apostolic practice was to uh engage uh, lydia is always my favorite example that that, that She's not just a pastor; she is a church planter. She is the church comes to her home. It's where Paul chooses to go when he's out of prison. She is she has a voice in his life. It's um,
1: she's the one who's gathered the church. And the yes, there, she huh?
0: she has done it. He she's invited him. Um, Apollos his guy. He he gives authority to Priscilla with Apollos to teach. And so so he he he's either. I think that's the thing. What is the rule, and what are the exceptions to the rule? Um, and, and, and to me, this seems like an asterisk situation of which there are situations with asterisks is all the time, as you said, in, sure. in the Middle East, in, in these different contexts. Um, yeah. I, I, I do, I can say this. I don't know that we've said this before, as we've talked about, it. there's not a home run, you know, it's not yeah. like, yeah. you know, that this, this still exists. I don't know. You know, when I go through it verse by verse, there are like, um, it's It's not a home run and and to just say, well, it's contextual. I get why that is really tricky for people. I, I completely understand that there are things that if you argued this is just contextual, I would think that that's a really low view of scripture and um sure. so but but I do I agree with you. I think scripture interprets scripture that it also means that um not only was Paul's apostolic practice different than what he taught, then so was God's because because what do we do with Deborah? what do we do? Um, with Miriam, in, in um, we we see her in Exodus, but but in Micah, Micah talks about Miriam and says that that Moses led the people out of Israel as did Aaron and as did Miriam. He calls her a leader of the Israelites, and so mm-hmm. um, so that also means that that God's practice is different uh, than this role. Um, uh-huh. And then I have a similar argument here as I do with Helper, um, is that. Um, if we're going verse by verse, this, this first one of a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I, I think um, when we when we take this as something to demean women, I think we miss that Paul is inviting women to learn in a time when no one was inviting women to learn. And um, the the word here, uh, if you go back to the original language, the word here for submission is uh, or of quietness is peaceableness, like to learn. In peace to be welcomed into the learning community, to be welcomed into the school of theology, mm-hmm. that is insane. No one was doing that, mm-hmm. um, and so anyway, you look, that's
1: your redemptive historical. There's that redemptive again.
0: movement, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that the fact that
1: Paul would address women at all was revolutionary in and of itself.
0: Are truly getting better, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think there's some as if we take this as a rule where Paul's practice was different. I think that we see some of those inconsistencies even in. A more complementarian argument, and that that if it's a rule, then then why is all of it not a rule? You know, I guess right before it's um, there's rules about jewelry and hair cutting and things like that that aren't taken, Um, and and then we see that that play out around rules with women in modern day, where a woman can um, sing a song, which is incredibly Pro- prophetic preaching we could sing a song about jesus but but not if it wasn't you know to uh, to music or that a woman could could speak but not on a stage maybe yeah. down below a stage or i've seen things where it's like a woman could speak behind a curtain or all or, or you can speak at a conference but not on a sunday morning or things like that you know the, it, we start to get some interesting like the ways things play out i think get a little bit yeah inconsistent is that fair
1: I think it would be fair, and you know, and I have a lot of competent friends, so I always want to project the best alternative argument, but I think you're right to say that there are cultural uh, factors that weigh into how all of this plays out, and what Mm -hmm. specifics does it play out? Mm -hmm. Does it play out here in America, and not on whatever we deem as the mission field? Does it play out with adults, but not children? Mm -hmm. You know, the specifics aren't there, and so everybody's got cultural factors for how they interpret this, and I think that should... To your point about there not mm. being a home run, I think on this issue, we'd all benefit from having a little intellectual humility, yeah. just to say, hey, um, look. Th-
0: just on this issue? <laughs> <well>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but what a, what a thought.
1: Yeah, yeah like, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe there's another way to see it, using purely biblical
2: standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's wisdom. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Um, and so, hey, we're going to move on here, and we're going to ask a question that brings it back home and personal to us. And um, I, I'm i excited to answer this question. But uh, And we're going to start off with me and Dave, and then we'll go to Lindsay on this. Um, I'll have Dave start us out. But Dave, um, what would you say to women listening or to your daughter on this subject and their role in the church and in society and General, what would be your advice, and the main thing you would want to encourage and say to them? Yeah, this is a challenge for me because I'm glad you asked the question towards my daughters. I know what
1: I say to my daughters, but there, you know, in a world where there are multiple layers of appropriate submission, when no one wants to submit, Mm -hmm. I think there's lots of layers to that. To my daughters, they they would ask me, "Can oh, can a can a girl be a pastor?" I say yes, a girl can Mm -hmm. be a pastor, but I don't say that to every girl. Because those girls have parents, too, and those girls might not be in my church or they might be in somebody else's church. So what I usually say is, follow your gifts as far as they go, and you might find the right church context to exercise your gifts in the way God is calling you Mm -hmm. someday. And there's just lots of ways to serve in the church. I mean, there are as many spiritual gifts as there are, there's lots of ways to serve in different roles and gifts. And I just tell, I, you know, we know women have speaking ability. We know this. I mean, common yeah. sense tells us this. We know that, you know, in our tradition, we call them sacraments. We know women can serve sacraments. And I just, I tell my daughters, you can do that too, but God's got to call you to it. In other words, I leave the door open yeah. based on the different layers of submission that anybody, boy or girl, would mm-hmm. have to go through. Because I believe calling is always twofold. I believe a church always calls you, and God calls you internally. Yeah. And so I just say, where that lines up, then go for it. Because uh, some people's church traditions are not going to be okay with women in church leadership, or you know what I would say is ordained ch- church leadership. But there's a lot of things you could do in that church still. You could still lead music or other things. Mm-hmm. Those other cultural factors we talked yeah. about. So I just encourage girls. Basically, it's a theology of calling. If a church agrees, and God. God in his holy spirit agrees then go for it
2: mm-hmm. that's that's how I'd say it yeah um yeah I know for me um I know in our context sometimes because we're just so about women and leadership roles that um sometimes we we like to push the issue sometimes of we need women so so hey let's call this woman she so can speak well or or this woman um I would say to my own Daughter, that um, exactly what you said, I, I would tell them, hey, walk in your gifting, learn your gifting. Um, nothing here, especially with me as a father, I would never withhold you if you feel like you have a call to be a pastor or called to speak from you. I believe the Bible speaks about that and it needs your voice. I think if there's anything the American church needs right now and needs the honor, is a woman's voice and I think in the mutuality of calling and genus is one of them given a mutual calling it would be it would be that we have missed out on the woman's voice so much concerning these, these issues. I know partnering with Lindsay and coming alongside her and having to hear and me and her bounce ideas off from her there's 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 something about men and women we're different but equal. And the differences you have so much help me out whenever we're talking about issues about what we want to do in our church issues and which we're talking about cultural aspects, I need the view of a woman so much. And I would tell my daughter, hey, your opinion and your views on things are valid, and they go right there along with men and women. And we need you to develop your voice, whatever that voice is going to look at, look look like, whether a pastor whether a missionary whether um, you're called to be a teacher or to be an entrepreneur we need your voice and we need your calling um um and i would want them to find that uh lindsey good word what would you say
0: um to girls i would say um yeah go go for it i love what i like what you guys said that um Church and calling will meet, and and if your calling is so deep that you can't run away from it, then there are churches that within their context, there's room for you to do exactly what you feel like you're called to do. And so, um, go. And and I also would speak a word of patience and humility. That mm. um, my. I, 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 I've joked about this a lot. Uh, it's funny that we're doing this class, but I, I think one of the best things we can do for women in leadership is um, to let women talk about things other than leadership and women, or women in ministry. And yeah. so mm-hmm. um, so my hope in, in my town, you know, we, we live in the southeast, and this is not a place where there are a lot of women in roles of leadership in churches. Um, but I don't I don't want to, that to be the only thing I talk about. And so um, what has opened doors for me is... Um, is just doing ministry. Like if God's telling you to do something, go do it. Like do, do, do ministry. And, and, um, and the fruit will happen. And, and people, I I laugh a lot of times I say I'm an asterisk for some people where they think, I don't think I agree with this, but I don't know what to do with you. I, I've got to ask some more questions and that's a fun place to be. Um, (laughs) I also want to answer this question of what I would say to guys (laughs) as a woman. Um, and it's this, um, there has to be intentionality putting women in ministry, uh, in roles of leadership. Um, we, it, it it takes an eye and it takes intentionality and it takes, it's, it's easier. We just, we're, we're homogenous people and it's just easier for us, um, to do things we've always done or do things that we know to do. And so, um, my thought is as, um, and wherever wherever you are, but especially men in the church or as fathers, look for ways that you can enable and empower the women in your church, the women in your life, uh, your, your daughters, um, your sisters, your friends, how can you how can you help empower and cheer them on? The reason that I'm sitting with these two people and could sit with loads of people is they um, spend their time in this community cheering me on and empowering me and enable me uh Dave invites me to to do things that it would be a lot easier for him to invite someone else to do but he he asked me to be part of things he asked me to partner with him in services and prayers and all sorts of things and so that's been a gift to me is that there are, are men who see me and and uh, see me as a friend and see me as a partner and and bring me along with them and so um we did a class with our friend Doug a couple of weeks ago, and he said, go find a friend that's different than you. Yeah. Um, I think that would be interesting. Go go have eyes for somebody that maybe is a, a little bit different or um, is different gender. Yeah. Empower them.
2: Yes. Go do that right now. Yeah. Um, and so, hey, we're going to wrap up here with two more questions. Um, so real quick, um, if you were going to Thanksgiving and you were having to... Have your grandma ask you, "Hey, you have a church that has that has a woman pastor. Um, why are you doing that?"
0: <laughs> Don't you know that's wrong? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, um. How would you guys give a one to two minute answer, an elevator pitch on what to tell your grandma at Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, would,
1: I would start with just a quick review of things we've already shared, which is, yeah. Grandma, would you be surprised to know that there's women, examples of women leading and teaching throughout the Bible? Here's a list of six. <laughs> uh, and, you know, do, use that preponderance of the evidence and say, Grandma, I think this issue is a little more unclear than maybe you've been led to believe in the past. But I'd be willing to dialogue about it with you. You know, with yeah. gentleness, respect, <laughs> I'm not going to shove it down the your humility, throat. The humility, yeah. But... I'm not making an argument from culture. I'm not saying, well, this is the 21st century in America, and women lead, and get it with the program, Grandma. That's not going to play. What it's going to play is, you'd be surprised to know, Grandma, how much God is okay with women leading and teaching. Here are several examples. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we ran down quite a few of them. So go back to minute number five or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just go to Romans 16. You can buy the you 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 got got list yeah. there.
2: Bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I think, um, I think my elevator pitches is this. I go, I use Genesis 3 to go back to the garden. So Genesis 3, or sorry, uh, Galatians 3 to go back to Genesis 3, really, to go back to the garden. Um, Galatians 3 uh, is when Paul says that uh, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female in it. And I think that uh, Galatians 3 is a picture of redemption, a picture of renewal, a picture of um, where we're going, where, mm-hmm. uh, where God has been taking us since the very beginning. And it's a picture of that. And so I use it for eyes on Genesis one. And so, um, so I usually just ask people, if you go back to the garden, um, what would you say? And, and, and when the kingdom comes in full, what would you say when the kingdom comes in full? Well, will, um, women have roles of leadership when the kingdom comes in full? And I believe that Genesis one shows us that, that, Will happen. I also believe the whole Old Testament, and New Testament shows that that will happen. But, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but that's how that's my elevator pitch is, is what 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 do you think? How do you see the Garden? It was was um, the hierarchy a result of the fall or was it the uh, original creation design? And how do you how do you interpret the kingdom coming in full um, as far as roles for men and women? Yeah, and what do you do with Galatians three if? Yeah,
2: (laughs) I'm not gonna add anything for that because I always go to the creative order and the fall for that, and just be like, and I always start the conversation because it is a conversation. Um, It's just not. I'm gonna state the creative order, and there you go. It's an ongoing conversation done in humility and gentleness, Mm -hmm. Um, and realizing even if we agree agree on these issues, as I preached yesterday, unity doesn't mean uniformity. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know for for us to partner in the gospel it, it doesn't mean we have to agree on certain aspects and this is one of them um so
0: I, on that note i do want to say i i feel like um as a woman one of uh, there there's a, a guy uh, dave and i meet with a couple of other pastors and and one of them is um absolutely a complementarian and a treasure like a treasure to me someone I love and adore and respect and someone who loves and adores and respects me. And, um, and this is like the least interesting part of our relationship. And so to, Mm -hmm. um, to, to have, so when you talk about humility, when you talk about, um, that unity doesn't have to have uniformity, that we experience this unity, we are partners in ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we can do that like with humility, we can do that. And I think that, um, that honoring others, and we talk about it a lot, but honoring others is, is is number one here. How do we honor the women in our lives? How do we honor the men in our lives? And how do we honor um, the the people in our towns and in our cities? And mm-hmm. yeah,
2: um, so yeah. You got another question? I do have another question. This is the last one. Um, and real quick before we end, guys, what are some resources that have helped you guys out on this topic? Do you guys have any that you'd like to recommend?
1: Yeah, i I'd hesitate to mention one because I forget the name of the title, but uh, a husband and wife theologian pair, uh, Douglas Grotice, G-R-O-O-T-H-U-I-S, Grotice, and his late wife, who, who's now deceased, Rebecca Merrill GroTis, wrote and edited a volume. I'm forgetting the title of it, but it's basically... Men and women in leadership, essentially, and they analyze egalitarian arguments uh, from a lot of different perspectives. Many of which we've played out here, uh, and others we haven't, including resources in Trinity and theology about how men and women are mm-hmm. equal. And that's probably the best one-stop shop as far as because you can get all kinds of arguments promoting women in church leadership there. Uh, but I assume if you're watching this video, you know how to Google. So <laughs> <protest>. <laughs> G-R-O-O-T-H-U-I-S Look for uh title Affirming Men and Women Both in Leadership
2: Yeah Lindsay?
0: Yeah I have a couple um, One is uh, The Vineyard Church VUSA Has a great um, Site on uh, If you will Google Vineyard Women You can get there It's fantastic Um uh, another book that I love, and it, it very much has a been to it, you can tell from the title, is called How I Changed My Mind on Women in Leadership. <laughs> and um, it's, it's really specific ways where people kind of grew in their theology of this. And it's different stories, and, and, and it's, it's uh, fantastic. I love Dallas Willard wrote the introduction, and um, in the introduction he says, I, I am writing the introduction because I never changed my mind. I was always affirming women in leadership, but I did not want to be left out of this book. So it, it's awesome. So I love that one. That's a great one um i think that scott mcknight makes a really uh good argument there's a chapter in the book blue parakeet that um i think scott Mm -hmm. mcknight has a a a really compelling um argument there and um yeah those are those are my favorites plenty more we'll we'll add some resources wherever this is stored we'll add resources below it too what do you what do you like
2: Yeah, um, my favorite one, just because um, he breaks it down for me. I need help in breaking things down, uh, but a vineyard pastor of the Columbus Vineyard, Rich Nathan, he has an essay called Women in Leadership, How to Decide What the Bible Teaches. It's an essay. Google that. It's completely free. You don't have to pay anything. Contact me. I can send you the copy. (laughs) Um, um, It really broke things down and helped, and he goes from it from all sides, and I think it's a really biblically balanced um look at this, even though he is hard egalitarian on this topic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um
0: And the Derek Morphew book.
2: Yes, uh Different but Equal by Derek Morphew. That is weighty. That's a lot of scripture. If, if if that's what you want, get that book. It is fantastic. And so yeah, so that's gonna conclude our video for the day. Uh Dave, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you and your voice on this. Thanks. I love the vineyard, so thanks for letting me join. <laughs> yes. Buddy churches. Yeah, buddy churches. We worked it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. And guys, um, this is something we plan to keep on doing. If you guys have anything you'd like us to do a class on or have a discussion on, let Lindsay and I know, and we would love to have a talk- topic about it. But anyways, we bless you guys. Love you. We hope you found this helpful. Um, we'll see you later.